0: Not everyone's got a role model. Not everyone's got parents at home. Not everyone has those support systems, but we're all deserving of them. Uh, Incredible messengers really are that for many young people.
1: I think it's really important for the youth to have somebody that they can relate to, somebody that has had similar experiences. Those are the best people who could help them. The value is priceless.
2: You know, we, we know our kids so well and we know their environment so well that it helps us approach these situations differently. I think we, we need to see more investment. I think we need to be open to the greatness that I think that this could bring to our schools and to our communities.
3: You know, in the ideal world, you know, the credible messenger would be around during the school day. So that way young people can find them, you know, when they need to, you know, whether it's at lunchtime or if they cut class and they need to go talk to someone. <laughs>
1: This
2: is the Credible Messenger's podcast.
1: Lived experience is expertise.
4: The Credible Messenger podcast is a six-part series that demonstrates that lived experience is expertise by telling stories from the front lines of Credible Messenger work as well as examining the research on the efficacy of credible messenger mentoring programs. This podcast is produced by a group of youth policy consultants from AYPF, the American Youth Policy Forum. We believe that dedicated, credible messenger programs in the legal system, child welfare, K-12 schools, and college settings are a powerful way to build community and connection for youth success. We want to see credible messengers move from the margins to become an integral pillar of every system that serves young people marginalized by systemic inequities. Research supports our claim that credible messengers are effective, and we want to see more research, more funding for that research, more funding for credible messenger programs, and an elevation of the role so that it receives the respect, training, and adequate pay as other professions. Through this six-part series, we will show you lived examples of this in practice, as well as point you to the research. If you are a young person who has faced the legal system, been in foster care, attended low-income K-12 schools, has a parent who was incarcerated, or you were the first from your family to go to college, this podcast is for you. If you grew up in neighborhoods that have been historically excluded, where Brown and Black youth are robbed of the opportunities to thrive, this is for you. If you are a community member or professor or other person whose job is to serve young people this podcast is for you. If you are a person in the position to fund research or a researcher in the position to examine credible messaging programs, this podcast is most definitely for you. Hello and welcome to episode four, Credible Messengers in K-12 Schools. My name is Brittany Lamar and I will be your host for this episode. I will be interviewing 3 guests in this episode. First, I will speak to Layton Johnson of Ice the Beef, a successful credible messenger program operating in an alternative high school in Connecticut. Then, we will speak with one of our own AYPF colleagues, Kenvin Lacayo, a current college student and a dean of students at a middle school in Washington D.C. Finally, we will examine some of the research on mentoring incredible messenger programs in K-12 schools with Dr. Bernadette Sanchez, a professor of educational psychology at the University of Illinois at Chicago. This topic is important to me because I understand the importance of having someone that you can trust and confide in while you're going through your developing years. I mean, for me, I would have... Benefited greatly from having someone like a credible messenger while I was going through my elementary, middle school, high school years, because personally I didn't have anyone around me who I felt I could relate to. I felt alone and isolated in my own sort of life experiences, and so that ultimately led me to internalizing a lot of the things that I was dealing with and coping with that through negative and harmful behaviors, negative and harmful to myself and others. And well, ultimately, if I were to just I had been able to have one person who I felt I could relate to and talk to and trust, I feel that would have done me a great service. But ultimately, I found that later on in life, a couple years out of high school, but at that point, I was already involved in the system and on my way, you know, to incarceration and i still have that relationship uh with someone who serves as a credible messenger to me but if we were to be able to provide these to young people prior to any sort of system involvement prior to any sort of harmful decisions that impact the future of their lives i think it's it's critical and it's a a shame if we're not harnessing the opportunity to reach people at uh, the younger ages my first guest is layton johnson a mentor with ice the beef a successful credible messenger program in new haven connecticut layton can you tell us a little bit about yourself
1: i'm a leader i'm a business owner i'm a father i'm an activist i'm somebody who cares about the community cares about the youth who's trying to steer them away from the system and away from death i'm an outreach mentor with ice the beef work directly with the youth inside of the school system You know, this is an alternative school, so it's kids who have been involved in the system or group homes or just have, you know, behavior or, you know, mental issues. And these are the kids that I used to be want to work with the most because those are the kids that um, require the the most amount of teaching and mentorship to try to change their, their mindsets.
0: So, like, what benefit do you see Credible Messengers having in school settings? What's the importance of you being there in the schools with the young people?
1: I also was somebody who was in alternative school when I was a youth. I didn't have somebody who looked like me, who came from a similar background or a similar type of circumstances to try to tell me what was best for me and try to give me um, some tools to be able to deal with, you know, problems, conflict resolution, and things like that. I didn't have anybody like that. So I think it's really important for the youth, to have somebody that they can relate to, somebody that has had similar experiences, those are the best people who could help them. The value is priceless.
0: So, can you explain what are you doing throughout the day when you're at that school?
1: From the morning to the afternoon, I'm somebody who's there for the kids. A student that may be behaving badly in, in, in the classrooms, instead of having them sent to the, to the principal. What we do is we try to lessen the load of, you know, what the principal has to deal with. And they are sent to the alternative learning area where we are the credible messengers. And what what I do personally, I ask the student, like, what, what's going on? Like, well, and sometimes they may not even want to speak. They, might, they, they may be in in a phase where they don't want to talk. They may get, you know, a little disrespectful, which some teachers don't know how to deal with that. So, I honor that, and I tell them, well, I'm going to give you some space to, you know, you're going to have to be able to do your work that you can't do in this class because you was, you know, having an issue with the teacher or another student or whatever. But I want to get down to the bottom of what, what you're dealing with. So when, when, when you're ready to speak, i give you a chance to just relax. And the walls come down because they have these walls up because that's how they're used to dealing with things. That's the only way that they, they know how they learn something different and that's what i'm here for to teach you how to approach things differently because i used to do the same exact thing so once that comes down then they start to you know vent and a lot of times it's stuff that happens in their household or something that's going on outside or they may have dyslexia some kids can't read some kids have issues like with math or some kids are hungry some kids are trying to figure out when lunch is because they're hungry. You know, we provide food to these kids also. They got a lot of stuff going on. So that alternative learning space is really, really critical. They come in there, they tell you what it is that they're dealing with, and then you can go ahead and if you have to reach out to the family or if you have to, you know, provide a conflict resolution or get them to go apologize to the teacher. But they got to understand, first of all, that their behavior has to be corrected. And I try to to relate it to to work or college to them. Like, would you be able to do that in your job? Would you be able to talk to your your boss the way you talk to that teacher? And A lot of times they get it.
0: For sure. That in itself, that sense of trust and that – sort of solidarity that's like inherent to just like having you in those spaces and having someone who you can relate to aside from you know the teachers the principal the social workers who in those schools they may not reflect anyone that you feel comfortable talking to again just stressing the importance of like how you build that trust and what that does to a young person's mental health and how they view themselves in the future because you're there as a living example of how you can survive what you're going through as a young person, and then move on and thrive. Yes,
1: yeah, so just to expand a little bit more, just, it's a difference between doing things for students and doing things to students. My approach is I do things for the students because I'm here for the youth, and that's what makes me valuable. Shout out to Michael. like That quote that I said about doing things for the kids as opposed to to the kids. And that's where I got that from. He's he's really like a mentor to me as well as some of these students. So shout out to Michael. 100%.
0: And, I mean, it seems like a strong correlation to, like, what that graduation looked like once Iced the Beef was in the schools.
1: When I first got to the school, it was about 11 kids who were supposed to be graduating. Last school semester, that number doubled. And a lot of the kids that did graduate, and I'm putting quotes, um, supposedly, the worst of the worst. So these are kids that was on. Bracelets from um, house arrest and, you know, some of the so-called worst of the worst kids, but they actually graduated and benefited from us being there in school.
0: Can you tell us a story about a person that you've mentored whose experience stuck with you and we'd love to hear more about that experience.
1: The first time I came to the school, this was November of twenty twenty one. We had a town hall and you know it was just was introducing Ice to beef. Uh, we each individually gave stories of our youth and how we was all, you know, involved in the system at one point in the streets and just that, that lifestyle that consumes you and just the negativity and how we changed it. When I spoke, I said, Raise your hand if you want to die or go to jail. And one kid in particular, he was off to the side. He, he raised his hand. So I, I put the spotlight on him. So I was like, Oh, so you, you want to die or go to jail? Which one, bro? And he has a lot of anger. He reminds me of how I was when I was a, a youth. And he said, Nah, 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 nah. I, I was just joking. I said, but even in jokes, you got to pay attention to the things that you say and how you think. And it's a mindset. My purpose of saying this to you is because nobody wants to die or go to jail. Nobody gets up and say, say, I want to go to jail. But some of your actions may be leading you to either death or jail. When I was younger, my actions led me to jail, but was leading me to death. You know, so I'm trying to keep you kids away from that. And this kid, at the time, he was 18 years old. He was on a bracelet because he had, um, I think a couple of open cases at the time was involved in gangs, was involved in, you know, a lot of violence in the city of New Haven. But he also had a temper and he would constantly go off on staff or students. And I connected with him from day one. And I was persistent, and I told him that, yo, bro, you are great, bro, and you don't have to be that. You got the choice. And from that day on, we we had a a real bond. But he had talent, and he was really smart. to Beef had a a basketball league, and I brought him there so he could get involved in there because he's really talented in basketball. And this kid graduated. He changed his behavior, like, tremendously. He used to tell me that, no, bro, like, I I, I be trying to, you know, control myself, but sometimes i just flip out and that was early on but from working with him he changed that and he graduated and you know it makes me really happy that he did because his life could have went a whole total different way and i'm still working with this kid also
0: so when should we be providing these interventions and resources and supports? I hear you saying you're in a, in a high school, but, like, are these available in elementary schools? Are these available in middle schools? Like, are we missing something if we are not providing credible messengers, like, at certain ages?
1: Well, I'm not sure if it is. Ice the Beef has a mentoring program. It's called Kayak, keeping out youth on track. And – A lot of the the people that are involved with KAYOT is younger themselves. They have mentors, and they go into schools every day. I think prevention is something that the best tool to utilize. Preventative measures would include working with the kids at a younger age, and I think every school should have something like that. I mean,
0: not everyone's got a role model, not everyone's got parents at home, not everyone has those support systems, but we're all deserving of them. And we all need them to go beyond just surviving, but to go to that next level. Incredible messengers really are that for many young people, and you serve that role, so restoring the narrative that these are children is an important component when we talk about kids we we know the needs of kids, but oftentimes when we're talking about young people in alternative schools or young people from certain communities, like we're no longer identifying them as children
1: That narrative has always been that way since slavery times when you talk about certain communities, certain ethnic people being. Labeled as not kids, you know, treated as threats, treated as as adults when they're youth. This has been like that forever. These are young people. These are children that deserve love.
0: We're talking about racism. We're talking about power and control. We're talking about white supremacy, right? When it comes to like how we're treating certain communities and what we think they're deserving of. And so, I mean, but that's at the foundation of, you know, ultimately why we have disparities in in our educational system and opportunity gaps and wealth and income gaps. And, you know, the list goes on to mass incarceration, right? And it's, you know, we can get into all that, but like, you know, you're stopping, the the cycle of the violence and all the sort of things that plague families and individuals. So I really thank you for sharing all of this because it's extremely important that we we promote and understand the value of what you're doing, what Ice the Beef does, because you're you're changing lives. We need credible messengers in schools just as equally as we need the social workers, just as equally as we need the teachers and the counselors. Because what you do is, is missing and we're failing young people if we're not having credible messengers in schools.
1: Absolutely. And it's, and that school to the prison pipeline is really happening and it's, this is a real thing. And you're not giving these kids a chance. You're setting them up for failure. That's why we, ha- we have to do it at a younger age. And this is pr- to prevent them from getting involved in the criminal justice system.
4: So Layton, what's your call to action? How do you imagine credible messengers in K-12 through schools?
1: Well, First of all, they would actually be hired in the school, like hired as employees of the school system, but hire more people from that background so that they can change these kids, give them some um, real funding, and then don't take away what makes you valuable, what makes you connect with these kids. Because that does damage. And it goes against the whole purpose of you hiring, you know, credible messengers. And credible messengers need to be valued. They really need to be valued. We need to not forget about the youth. We need to ask them what they need. And when they say they need somebody to look up to somebody who they they can relate to, that's us.
0: I really just want to thank you for, for coming on and speaking to us today. I mean, your boots on the ground. So like hearing from you is what provides value to these conversations. You know, it's important that we have the research to support our ideas. And we know that this stuff works, but like hearing your, your personal experience and what what it looks like to be a credible messenger in a school and the results that you're seeing and the, the power that you feel in what you do, it's really that value of, this conversation with you. So, I mean, I thank you again for for coming on and speaking um, and having this conversation
4: with me today.
1: Thank you for having me.
4: My next guest is my colleague as a youth policy fellow with the American Youth Policy Forum, Kenvin Lacayo. All right, Kevin, thanks for coming. Can you please introduce yourself to our listeners?
2: My name is Kevin Lacayo. I was born and raised in Washington D.C., aka Chocolate City. Proud son of uh, Latino immigrants, currently a college student, currently a uh, dean of students at a middle school here in Washington, D.C.
4: Well, again, thank you so much for joining us on the show. As you know, this episode is about credible messengers in K-12 schools, and we've spoken to Leighton Johnson of Ice the Beef about credible messengers in an alternative school setting and his role there. So we wanted to hear from you to understand what this could look like in a traditional K-12 public school setting. So can you start us off by telling us more about what brings you to this work and why you're interested in credible messengers in K through 12 schools?
2: You know, when I was in school, I hated it. I thought it was not a place I belonged in. I thought it wasn't something that was, you know, meant for me. I always thought that uh, I would have to take another route or I just didn't think that education was a a space uh, for me. I met some adults along the way who really helped me sort of push through, but for the most part, I just didn't feel encouraged. I ended up involving myself in a lot of things outside of school that I shouldn't have involved myself in, you know, that ended me up with parole officer, court dates, things like that. But again, the only thing that really kept me coming back to school outside of like my friends at school was, you know, a few adults who uh, I related to. So that's always um, stuck out to me um, when I think of education and, and, and the big reason for why I work in education now. Um, is trying to be that for other students. And so when I heard about Credible Messengers, it really spoke to me. I always thought that it was something that schools needed um, and something that schools have, but not as a paid, trained position. It's just sort of people in different roles going above and beyond, you know, filling the role of a Credible Messenger, you know, and that's, you know, teachers, counselors, uh, you know, uh, dean of students in, in my case. Um, And so that's really what called me to the work and what called me to Credible Messengers.
4: For sure. And I can certainly relate to a lot of parts uh, of your story. To expand on... Uh, credible messengers in the school setting. Do you know of any examples of credible messengers working in a traditional public school setting? I know you had mentioned whether it be a social worker or a teacher or uh, yourself as a dean of students playing that sort of dual role of being a credible messenger in their professional role and responsibilities. Aside from that example, do you know of any examples of credible messengers
2: not in a public school setting. No, I don't. I do know that here in D.C. there are credible messenger programs, but they don't work directly in schools. They aren't hired to work in schools. They're more like violence interrupters. But again, the people who are consider credible messengers who are working in schools don't have that as a title. They just end up playing that part based on their life, their experience and, and how they how they work with with children.
4: How is discipline often carried out in school, and how could credible messengers be integrated into these systems to improve outcomes for students?
2: A lot of time, it's, uh, you know, a lot of punitive things that more so punish the student than do anything else. I have the privilege of working at a restorative justice school, um, and so we try to uh, gear away or move away from uh, punitive practices as much as possible. And I think that the the biggest piece when it comes to restorative justice in schools and when it comes to credible messengers working around discipline and things of that nature is the relationships that they get to have with students. Whenever we're talking about uh, behavior, consequences, discipline, and things of that nature, ultimately we're trying to correct, you know, negative behavior or behaviors that, you know, we deem is not school appropriate or things of that nature, um, and it's really just a learning process for the students. But oftentimes it isn't approached in that way, it's sort of approached in uh, you did this, so you get punished by being forced to sit through this or whatever the case is. In in our case, um, with, with the dean of students that we have at our school, which, you know, I'm happy to be part of such a great team, um, we're, again, I believe that we're uh, credible messengers. And so our relationships with the students open up for a different type of, I guess, disciplining um, because of our relationships with the students and because we know where they're coming from. You know, we we know our kids so well, and we know their environment so well that it helps us Approach these situations differently. I think another thing that you know people forget once it, when it comes to discipline is that it isn't just about consequences, but it's also about you know rewards and incentives. This is again where I could see the school system benefiting from credible messengers. Is again knowing the students um, and having an, a, a good relationship with them and being able to have uh, difficult conversations when students may not necessarily want to, and then also encouraging. You know, students that go through difficult things to restore whatever harm they've done. And then students feeling, you know, like they can trust the person who's leading them through it enough to to do those things. Traditionally, I've seen adults just sort of pushing things on students or on kids as opposed to working in a partnership together. And that's where I think Credible Messengers will make a huge difference to discipline.
4: I mean, that's... Phenomenal answer. And I think you definitely touched on like the needs that exist for Credible Messengers. You talked about the need for transforming the way that we respond to natural, normal adolescent development and behaviors to the young people of this age group that we're talking about in K through 12 schools. To expand on that, how does the community you work in also present the need for Credible Messenger mentorship?
2: I think there is a lot of younger, people who are older than a lot of like my students per se you know I work in middle schools and I'm thinking about like high schoolers who some are not school involved um, but then even people who are like recent high school graduates they have a lot of notoriety in the communities a lot of respect and I think that it's a missed opportunity to not tap into those individuals so I think that those individuals who nine times out of ten uh, a lot of a lot of the times you see them be, you know, basketball players or football players or and things of that nature Um, when they're in high school and maybe they aren't, you know, the greatest uh, academically or whatever. But, you know, for the most part, they're they're OK. And then once they leave high school, they don't have sports, they don't have a lot of things going on. And so, you know, they'll further involve themselves in things that they shouldn't and and things that hurt the community as a whole. Um, And I think that if you have an an avenue where they can find purpose and feel fulfillment by giving back and working with the younger uh, generation in in their community, I feel like that would be something that uh, my community needs. Um, You know, the younger kids, you know, they look up to these people, you know, my students are the younger kids, I feel like they see that dynamic of it's a them being the people that I'm talking about versus, you know, the police, the government, whoever else. And so it's almost like they have to pick a side and that's, you know, that's something that you've seen in our neighborhoods and with amongst our people for the longest. And I think that a lot of that has to do with us not tapping into the community that we that we work in. So I, I, I think that that's, you know, that's that's the need that I see or that's the that's where I see it could it could benefit having credible messengers and really using that in our communities.
4: From your viewpoint, what do we need to see in the future when it comes to credible messengers in K through 12 schools? What is your call to action?
2: I think we we need to see more investment. I think we need to be open to the greatness that I think that this could bring to our schools and to our communities. Um, I think we need to invest in 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 you know like seed programs and seed funding to sort of get this started, and then also invest in research because I'm sure that the research is going to show that this is. Um, an asset to our communities. So yeah, that's my call to action. Uh, policymakers, I think just community leaders, people need to need to push for this. I think that this can tackle more than one issue. And so uh, investment in understanding credible messengers and and equipping them with everything that they need, um, you know, paying them everything that they need, and just respecting it for for the great tool that it could be for, for transforming communities.
4: Kenvin, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. It was great to hear from you.
2: Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
4: My next guest is Dr. Bernadette Sanchez, a professor of educational psychology at the University of Illinois at Chicago. Dr. Sanchez's work in natural mentoring is relevant to credible messengers because they are both typically from a similar background and community. Thank you, Dr. Sanchez, for joining us. Can you please give us a brief introduction of who you are and the work that you do?
3: Yeah, my name is Bernadette Sanchez, and I'm a professor at the University of Illinois, Chicago. I'm an expert in youth mentoring, and much of my research has examined the role of natural mentoring relationships in adolescent outcomes, like in academic outcomes and other developmental outcomes. And natural mentoring relationships are supportive relationships that young people organically develop with non-parental adults in their social networks. And these could be family members, neighbors, teachers, staff members at after-school programs, for example. And the population that I do research with is mostly Latinx and African-American, urban, um, low-income youth. And I also do research on mentoring programs and on the role of race, ethnicity, and culture in these mentoring programs.
4: Great. So, yeah, I hear you talk about like those similar sort of like lived experiences, whether Mm -hmm. it's like they're both system involved or they come from similar communities or those sort of like relatable experiences that build Mm -hmm. trust. Can you help us spell out the problem? For instance, like what is at stake for students who are mentored by credible messengers and why do they need this support?
3: You know, I'm doing research, for example, right now on a traditional kind of mentoring program in which a young person Is paired to work with um, uh, an adult. Um, And the adult, um, you know, it's typically someone who may be very different from them, you know, not from their community, maybe have a different race, ethnicity, not have a similar, you know, upbringing. Whereas in my research on natural mentoring, usually young people are bringing up these, these really significant, influential people in their life. Who tend to be, you know, from their, you know, community. You know, the natural mentoring relationships tend to be these longer-term relationships. But part of, you know, what makes them, you know, a special kind of relationship is that they feel like these adults get them, because, you know, they um, they have something in common. There are certain things that they could talk about with a credible messenger or with a natural mentor that that they may feel like, well, maybe another person, you know, it might take longer for them to maybe confide in that person and talk to them about these things or to feel like the person actually gets it. And then, um, you know, because they have established this trust, you know, in this relationship, because they feel like this person, you know, does get them and they can relate to them then maybe it influences um, the, you know, how much I guess they take on, you know, whatever advice they give them or the kind of support, you know, that they provide them, you know, maybe they're more likely to trust, you know, what it is that the mentor or a credible messenger says, because they have this commonality.
4: We've talked about the traditional mentoring, the credible yeah. messengering the natural mentoring. Um, in like, you know, sort of comparing, contrasting the um what what you know, the differences and the similarities between the three. What does your research and the research of others um tell us about the efficacy of credible messenger programs in K through 12 schools?
3: I noticed that the research that has been done. On what's called credible messengers has been mostly done in the area of juvenile justice, violence prevention, or with victims of commercial sexual exploitation. So, the kinds of things they're looking for in those programs are things like, well, if it's someone who's been involved with um, the juvenile justice system, then you're hoping to prevent any future reconvictions and so forth. So then they have seen, you know, benefits in those areas, like maybe reduced violence and so forth. And then there has been research that's also looked at like even benefits for the mentors. So, you know, even, or the credible messengers themselves I should say, so they even benefit, you know from participating in these things. But um, expanding from that, you know, if we're going broadly like just in the mentoring, you know, with K through 12 there is research that suggests that there's benefits like improved academic outcomes for young people improved um, outcomes with regard to well-being, um, the prevention of, you know, let's say problem behaviors, you know, in school um, for those youth who are participating in a mentoring program, you know, compared to youth who are from similar backgrounds and not participating um, in these kinds of programs. With regard to what makes equality uh, credible messenger program, or like the things that are essential, you know, the characteristics that are essential in these kinds of programs. You know, the research shows that like the infrastructure of the program is important, like the screening, let's say, and training for the credible messengers, or the supervision and support that's provided to the messengers, but also their relationship with the young people. You know, making sure that um, you know if there's any um, barriers that is being experienced, like in the um program or or let's say in the relationship between the young person and the credible messenger or people are having a hard time getting in touch you know with one another or let's say the youth is not showing up you know to the program or is it showing up to school then then staff need to step in to help figure out what's going on you know with the young person but also help the credible messenger then connect you know with the young person so that kind of support and supervision is really important to for the success of the program. And then also, I think it's important for uh, credible messengers and the staff, you know, these programs to understand and know the youth population and their needs. An advantage of credible messengers is that they're coming from similar life experiences, but then we also have to remember, we don't want to assume that just because you have a similar life experience that the young person has had the exact experience <laughs> as you. Yeah. So so it's important for credible messengers to be aware of their assumptions and sort of check their assumptions and leave those assumptions aside and really try to get to know the young person or the young people that they're serving and the staff need to do the same to make sure that their needs you know, are being met. And then I would say um, you know, another important feature of credible messengers is and these kinds of programs is that they partner with young people. So what does that look like? So I think it's important to think about what does that look like in a credible messenger program. You know, how do you actually partner with young people? Does that mean that young people have a say? You know, in how the program works? Um, do they have any leadership role? You know, with, within the program? Um, do they have a say in what it is that they incredible messengers um, do together? So I think those are important things um, to consider
4: there research that um talks about like the sustainability of these programs like in terms of like their yeah. funding streams yeah um
3: my impression is a lot of these programs are funded either you know through grants you know donors you know who might um give money and then um federal grants such as like the office of juvenile justice the legacy prevention i think they're like one of the biggest federal mechanisms you know that provides support to uh, mentoring programs one thing i notice is that in some of these credible messenger kinds of programs i've seen a lot of programs like this like let's say in the area of youth violence where individuals who have been community activists and they're people who are giving back you know to the community and one of the things that might happen you know for credible messenger is that there could be burnout so i think that it's also important for there to be enough support for the credible messengers, because as they're working with the young people, a lot of people might be going to them if there's someone who a lot of young people in the community look up to, and they might be overwhelmed by how much need there is. And also, depending on the young people they're working with, if they're young people who are experiencing things that they might have experienced when they were younger, it could bring up some of their own trauma that they might have experienced. And if that hasn't been totally addressed, or maybe it's just Retriggering, triggering you know, some of the things that has come up for them and like they sort of still need to deal with. So it's just important for the credible messengers to be mindful of these things, but that means that you need um, a staff person who can help support them. So I think, um, you know, taking care to not overburden the credible messenger, but to ensure that they're getting the support that they need. They can easily, you know, burn out in this kind of work.
4: It's a deeply sort of like, you know, a a personal endeavor to to embark on this sort of profession, right? And talking about the the sustainability of relationships, when we talk about credible messengers, what are the long-term effects on the student that are mentored by a credible messenger?
3: So I haven't seen the research specifically on the long-term effects of credible messengers, but there is some research on long-term kinds of effects on mentoring programs. And from what I gather, there seems to be um, positive effects, you know, around some of the academic um, outcomes and mental health. But one thing, you know, I wanted to mention is that during the pandemic, we saw a mental health crisis, but especially in young people and adolescents. And I think, you know, a lot of times with mentoring programs, the things that funders, you know, care about are these things like attendance, academic achievement, graduating from high school, you know, preventing violence and crime, but we forget about mental health. And I think credible messengers really have the potential to make a difference here because they are someone who can really validate the young person and feel like I care about you. What you have to say is important and your experience is important and I can relate, you know, to what you're going through. So by feeling that validation, it can help, you know, the young person feel like that um, they do matter, you know, and um, and it could make them feel less lonely. So I think that the mental health piece is, is so crucial, you know, and we need more work on that.
4: Is there any other research that needs to be done or any other questions that you think remain unanswered when it comes to having credible messengers in schools?
3: I, I think looking at different kinds of populations you know with within schools because within at least the credible messenger research that I looked at as I mentioned it was like juvenile justice related violence related. but I think other population and, and or systems involved youth but what about for example, like um, you know LGBTQ you know or youth of color you know how could these and and people have there are grassroots programs that are doing this work you know in connecting let's say youth of color, LGBT youth, you know, with adults who are coming from similar experiences, you know, but we need more research on this, you know, on what makes those programs more effective. Are there certain characteristics or aspects of these credible messengers, or are there certain aspects of the relationship that help, you know, enhance the effects, you know, of these kinds of programs? So I think those kinds of questions, you know, I think are important. Um, I think we also need, um, you know, more research looking at how these credible messengers may help young people either cope with or overcome, you know, the kinds of traumas, you know, they might have experienced, whether it's, you know, racial trauma or other kinds of trauma related to their identity, like for LGBT youth, you know, um, if they you know, the kind of trauma they might have experienced, you know, because of their own identity. So I think um, more research in those areas are important.
4: So, what would be your call to action?
3: Well, um, I guess one thing you know that I think about is, you know, if we were to have a credible messenger program in school, what is the goal of the program? So, I think figuring out, you know, what's the goal and what are the credible messengers being trained to do? Are they are they simply being a support person for young people who don't have, you know, these kinds of adults in their life to go to? Um, so that, you know, when things do come up, you know, there's only so much a credible messenger can do. You know, maybe they could be someone who can hear them out and so forth, but the credible messenger could connect them maybe to other resources, whether it's the school counselor or other kinds of support that's needed, you know, um, inside or outside the school. So I think it would be important to figure out, well, if we were to have these in the school, what would be the purpose? You know, what's the goal? And and what do we want to yeah you know, what what do we want to accomplish you know from this and I think um, you know being able to provide a young you know students with access to a credible messenger in a school like if if all the kids at a school who didn't have someone like this in their life you know had access to someone like this and I'm not just talking about one person for a huge school but multiple people who can serve in this role. You know that would be amazing. You know to be able to provide that, and they could be sort of like this extra support that complements what the schools are already providing. You know, and of course we'd want these credible messengers to be ideally to be paid because it sounds like a full time job to me. <laughs> you know, right? If they're going to no, be no, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if they're going to be working in the schools, yeah, they should be paid. This is not a volunteer who just shows up one hour a week. You know, and we yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and hope that they continue volunteering after the year, you know. So ideally you'd have these full-time paid staff who can serve these roles and be part of a team within the school, you know, that has, you know, there's there's the counselor, you know, there's you know the, the social worker, um there, you know, there's the um, you know, whether it's the, the guy like you'll have some kind of support team that, you know, is helping, you know, these young people and the credible messenger can be a part of that team. So make it part of a system wide kind of effort. So I think that would be my call to action.
4: Great. Well, thank you so much for doing this podcast with me today. Well, a pleasure having this conversation with you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm-
3: it's an honor and privilege to be here with you.
4: If we're only providing credible messengers to young people after they've already come in contact with the legal system, then we have failed. My call to action is to see Credible Messengers at every point in the public education system, from kindergarten right up until grade 12. The earlier the better, because we want to ensure students get the supports they need before they have any involvement with the legal system. Thank you for listening to the Credible Messenger podcast. We hope that we have inspired you to take action. Let's ensure more credible messenger programs exist, and that credible messengers are well paid, supported, resourced, and trained. We need more research, more funding for research, and more formalized paid roles for credible messengers so that all young people marginalized by systemic inequities can have success. We believe that dedicated credible messenger programs in the legal system, child welfare, K through 12 education and college settings are a powerful and essential way to build community and connection for youth success. We hope you agree. This podcast is hosted and directed by a group of youth policy consultants from AYPF, the American Youth Policy Forum, including
1: Marmonte
2: Butler, Abdul Ali,
4: Daphne Sanchez,
2: Eliana Pujols,
4: and me, Brittany Lamar. Our executive producer is the AYPF, the American Youth Policy Forum. This show is produced, edited, and mixed by Sarah Daggett of Daggett Consulting, LLC. This episode was directed and hosted by me, Brittany Lamar. Thank you for listening.